It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's 406 in the Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program. Good to have you with us here on the, on the show for, what is this, August 14th? About the Ides of August here, tromping our way through summer on the way to a what's going to be a beautiful autumn, I'm sure. We're glad you're, you're with us. Thanks for sharing some of your beautiful Rocky Mountain weekend with us here on the show. Our phone number, if you want to talk about whatever's happening around your house, is... 713-8255, area code 303, and we, uh, again, would be delighted to get you involved, and if anything's happened at your house this week you want to chit-chat about, you can give us a call. Um, I, I got a list here from Robbie, who was, 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 in the old days, was kind of a frequent contributor to the program. These are little aphorisms about dogs, and I, you know, if I, I want full disclosure here. I'm a cat person. I've told you that before on the air, but I sure want to uh, give equal time to dogs. And these are pretty cute. And uh, you've heard of some of these. Some of these are I had not seen before, and they're kind of clever. Let's do a few of these. Uh, let's see. The reason a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail instead of his tongue. I like that. Don't accept your dog's admiration as conclusive evidence that you are wonderful. That's Ann Landers. If there are no, this one I've heard before, and it's one of my favorites. If there are no dogs in heaven, then when I die, I want to go where they all went. Yeah, I like that. There's no psychiatrist in the world like a puppy licking your face. A dog is the only thing on earth that loves you more than he loves himself. That's interesting to think about. Andy Rooney, the average dog is a nicer person than the average person. Let's see, Sigmund Freud, of all people, dogs love their friends and bite their enemies, quite unlike people who are incapable of pure love and always have to mix love and hate. A little, a little too complicated. Sorry, Sigmund. I wonder if other dogs think poodles are a member of a weird religious cult. A dog teaches a boy fidelity, perseverance, and to turn around three times before he lies down. Uh, let's see, Franklin Jones, whoever that is, says anybody who doesn't know what soap tastes like has never washed his dog. Uh, if you have any beliefs about immortality, is that certain dogs I have known will go to heaven and very, very few persons. That's James Thurber. Women and cats will do as they please, and men and dogs should just relax and get used to the idea. You bet. If you think dogs can't count, try putting three dog biscuits in your pocket and only take out two. Uh, let's see, you can, Dave Barry, I've always admired Dave Barry. You can say any foolish thing to a dog, and the dog will give you a look that says, 
wow, you're right. I never would have thought of that. Mark Twain, this is one of my all-time favorites. If you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. That is the principal difference between a dog and a man. Uh, let's see, finally, uh, oh yeah, a couple more of these. My dog is worried about the economy because Alpo is up to three, $3 a can. That's about 20 $21 in dog money. And finally, ever consider what our dogs think of us? I mean, here we come back from a grocery store with the most amazing haul, chicken, pork, a quarter of a beef. They must think we're the greatest hunters on earth. So some comments about about dogs. Anyway, how you doing? I'm, I'm glad you're with us here on the show. Hope you had a, a good week. Still hot. Smoke around. Smoke's from the wildfires is dissipating. Not as fast enough for most people, but... Uh, we, I think we're through the worst of it, at least for now. Uh, I read a, 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 a big, long piece about uh, a, a, this week about uh, the uh, the forest management that's not going on and people encroaching on forests. You know, one of the reasons that there's so much loss of, of habitat and real estate and structures, thankfully not too many people, but uh, is because of, of, of encroachment in the forest. People like to live in the woods, right, or near the woods. And so if you're, if that's you and you haven't done your, your personal uh, mitigation and forest management, I think it would be uh, a good thing for you to do. Uh, so, uh, you know, just a, just a thought on that. But forest management, too, the, it's, it's, been a, it's been a tough 30 or 40 years for people that manage forests, including the Forest Service, and logging companies and people that care about the forest. Of course, logging companies, lumber companies, care more than anybody about the forest because it's how they make a living and they want to preserve it. But it seems every time somebody wants to cut or clear the brush or take some trees out, even dead trees, there's a lawsuit that always pops up. So a lot of these wildfires wouldn't probably be as bad as they are if there had been good forest management and if maybe the encroachment that we, uh, we have seen had not had not happened. Anyway, that's a topic for some other time. I thought I, I wanted to share with you my column that was in the Denver Gazette this morning and the Colorado Springs Gazette, as they are every Saturday. Uh, and the Denver Gazette is a relatively new online newspaper that I think you'd really you'd really enjoy. It's it's uh, easy to navigate. It's nice looking, and it really is a slick way to get through the news of the day, and both in Denver and in the world and a lot of great features and so on. One of them is in the home and garden section, my Saturday column, and it was in the Gazette this morning and the Springs Gazette. And I, there are several Q&As that you might find interesting. One is about the, that shiny foil there that you, you may have been marketed to. Uh, salesmen do push these products pretty strongly. Saleswomen, too, I guess I have to say. Those shiny foil, like aluminum foil layers that go in an attic, do they really save any heat? George wanted to know via email. And my research has shown that they aren't very efficient in climates that mostly that mostly heat. Uh, if you know places that are, you know places that are in the mid-Atlantic states and and south of there, for instance, that cool eight, nine, ten months a year, they do a nice job of reflecting heat out of the house. But here in our climate, they don't. They don't provide that much good in the way of efficiency or saving money because we like to get that solar gain from the attic into our houses in the wintertime. So I would save my money 
and I would not invest because they're relatively expensive, these foil products that you, you stick up in your attic. I would save my money and spend it on uh, upgrading the insulation in the attic. So uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of my thought on that. It's pretty straightforward. I have done quite a bit of research and through the Department of Energy and other engineering sources and so on, and that's kind of what I've concluded. In cooling climates, cool climates like ours, where we only cool, oh, three months a year at the most, they don't really do that much good. So uh, thanks, George, for that email. Before we go to break, I wanted to talk to you about my buddy Brian at Eagle Crest. He's my Denver-based heating and air conditioning contractor. Uh, this is an email from Chuck. Brian and his technician came over as a second opinion as another company had given me expensive repair estimates. Long story short, my furnace is fine. He cleaned the flame sensor and didn't charge me anything. Brian has a new customer. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah, I get lots of those testimonies about Brian. He tries to do the right thing and because the right thing will get him a customer for life. Just what you need when you need it. And this has been going on now for, since, what, 1983, Brian got in business. What is that, 38 years ago. So I think I would climb on the Eagle Crest bandwagon. And he's still got that deal going for 3500 bucks for getting central air in your house complete. Uh, that's a, that's a, the best deal in town, money-wise. So that's a new ream system. And there's still a couple of months at least of cooling air conditioning type weather. So... I would call Brian at 303-451-5607, ask him about that $3,500 package to get a ream system in your house, and you'll be delighted that you did. And he can get you 18 months, same as cash, financing with approved credit. And now it's coming up, you know, I hate to say this is the first time I mentioned it this season, we're coming up to the time of year when you need to get your furnace checked, and Brian has a special deal in the metro area, 69 bucks to get that done. He'll check your AC and furnace for only 89 So give him a call at 303-451-5607 and tell him uh, I sent you. And you'll, uh, you'll be sending me an email one of these days because he does a great job for all of his customers. Just what you need when you need it. Brian at Eagle Crest, 303-451-5607. And we'll be right back, right here on Around the House. Stick around, and uh, we'll take your calls right after this. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Welcome back to the program. It's 20 minutes after 4 o'clock. 303-713-8255 is our contact line. And we are delighted that you're with us. And I uh, trust that you uh, had a good week at your house. Now it's time to um, to talk about it here on the Around the House program. 303 713 8255. And um, whatever's going on, we'll just run through it together like we've been doing now for, what, about 28 years, I guess. Uh, let's see, a couple more Q&As from my, from my column this week at the Denver Gazette, Colorado Springs Gazette. Oh, before we do that, here's an email that came in uh, recently. Uh, oh, yeah. This is from Mary. We have a 50-year-old two-story cabin. A new septic tank was installed in 2019. This summer, we were smelling sewer gas in our side yard, not from the septic tank, but from the plumbing vent on the house roof. We appreciate your suggestions 
on what to do about this. Yeah, people that have septic systems have some unique problems, Mary, and I've talked about this in the past that, you know, those of us city slickers that we are, we get to, you know, we get to send our sewage down the street to the city sewer plant and get it off of our property. But those of you on septic systems, of course, hang on to your sewage and it gets digested and processed as it should in the septic system. Well, it just produces more odor. That's just all there is to it. And there's nothing much to be done because uh, it, there it is. You, you know, the, there's some there's some mitigation you can do, which uh, you might give uh, uh, give it a shot, and that is to uh, to try to aim the vents on your roof in a different direction. Uh, there are uh, plumbing vents that stick. Maybe in most in most houses, there's at least three, and sometimes you know, maybe four or five sticking out of the roof, and that's where the odor comes from. So you could have a plumber, or if you don't aren't shy about getting up there on the roof yourself, you could have a plumber plumber extend them. You could do it yourself with a 45-degree angle pointing downwind so the wind carries them away. So you could add a two- or three-foot extension to those plumbing vents. That can help. That's not a perfect solution because the wind will, you know, change direction and things, but it, it will, it will uh, mitigate it a little bit. Sorry about that. And so you might give that uh, a try. There's also some filters you can put on your sewer vents. These are usually charcoal filters that I hear people say do a pretty nice job. Uh, one of them used to be called SweetAir.com, and I can't find those folks anymore. There's another one on Amazon, and I love this name, Odor Hog, O-D-O-R-H-O-G. Odor Hog is a, is a proprietary brand of filter that you put on your vent pipes on the roof, and voila, uh, you filter away all those odors. So you just give those a try. Uh, there's not a lot you can do to your septic system. If your septic system is operating normally, then it, there's not much to, to do. I mean, you can't change how, how it processes things uh, because uh, it just it's, it just does its thing and operates the way it's supposed to. So, uh, I you know, I'm, I'm not sure there's much relief there, but uh, I would try to uh, try to try those two arrangements that I talked about, extending the vents or putting the filter on the little charcoal filter, and that may do you some uh, some good. So uh, I just uh, thought I would share that with you uh, on the around the house program. Thank you, Mary. That's a great question because it's not just it's not just uh, the uh, folks uh, up in the mountains with their cabins. Uh, there's a lot of, of, of you know people out in the eastern plains and so on that uh, that have of course uh, septic systems and it's very common in rural parts of the world and uh, in, uh, in in just parts of uh, out of the city limits as it were. So uh, I would uh, I would encourage you to check out those two two fixes because I get these complaints a lot sewage. It just sits there, and the vents are doing what they're supposed to do, and that's it. So uh, there's not a lot to be done except the, the mitigation I described. 303-713-8255. Uh, let's see here. I want to um, read another email. This is from Carl. Have you heard about any air filtration systems for homes in relation to COVID? I have not, and I, I guess I, I would be skeptical if I did. Because you just, 
the, the virus in this case is just so tiny, tiny that there's no way that you could uh, have, you could devise a filtration system, a whole house filtration system that uh, would do any good at all when it comes to COVID. So I would, I would not count on that uh, at all because there, it's just, it's just not in the cards to filter out viruses that small. That's the criticism of masks, actually. Uh, masks are, uh, th there's a metaphor I've heard people use, sort of like, there's a metaphor or a simile anyway, that uh, the cloth filters for COVID are like trying to keep mosquitoes out with a chain link fence. The virus is so, so tiny, it can go through about anything. And so uh, I, I would not think that there is any, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you could find, uh, if you could find people that want to sell you something that would be, uh, that would be uh, something that you would use for filtration in your whole house to get rid of COVID, but I would be very, very, very skeptical of it. So uh, I'm not sure that that would be even be something I would spend a lot of time on. So anyway, it's a good question. Let's talk to, is it Mary in, in uh, Maryland. Maryland? Oh, see, Maryland in Fort Collins. Maryland, you're on the air with Ken Moon. Hi, what's going on? Hi, Ken. How are you? All right. Um, Ken, I have a 1983 ranch, and it has electric baseboard heat. Now, I vacuum them, you know, carefully, and I don't think they've been damaged. But would it pay to put in new baseboard heat to get more efficiency? <laughs> well, uh, not really, because electric heat, in, in most senses of the word, electric heat is... Uh, kind of a hundred percent efficient. It just converts electricity directly to heat. So uh, you wouldn't be gaining anything. Now, let me ask you this: uh, Are there? Is it seen to be working okay? Yeah, this. Uh, I'm going to have some insulation added in the ceiling, and that'll help. And uh, I have a. It's a skylight shaft, and it is un, um, insulated, and I have a lot of cold air that comes in from that. So they're going to insulate that also. That'll really help. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, it would. But I, I, I just you know, listen. You might, you might be getting a prettier. Uh, electric heat system. If you were to, uh, if you were to um, uh, change, the, you know, the baseboard radiation, but it wouldn't be any more uh, efficient. So uh, okay. I would probably okay. stay with what you got. But in, with electric heat, especially because it's so expensive to run, uh, I don't think you would be very, uh, you, you know, you, you'd be very, uh, uh, it'd be very helpful to change the, the, the system itself. But adding insulation or new windows, if you have old windows, would be a big deal. So I would focus I've, on that. I've got good windows. I've got good windows. And when I put them in, it made a big difference. Um, Ken, can I ask you another question? Yes. Go ahead. Um, I, have painted, I have painted a popcorn <laughs> ceiling in the past using ceiling paint. Do I have to follow up with that same paint, or can I switch to just the latex? On the popcorn uh, ceiling. Um, well, have you had? Well, let me ask you this: Have you had much luck in 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 uh, in doing painting your popcorn ceiling? Yeah, it's okay, but I'm going to repaint it. And just wondered if I needed to keep that same type paint. I don't know why it's different from regular wall paint. 
I don't know that it is either. I'm not sure I'd spend a lot of extra money for ceiling paint per se. I've always said to use mm -hmm. uh, use a satin or even a semi-gloss if you want, but I think, is it which one's glossier, satin or eggshell? I can't remember. Anyway, the uh, whichever one of those is more glossy, and cut it with a little water, maybe a, a third, uh, maybe let's say 20, 25% with water, just a little warm water to thin it a little bit. And that's good paint because when you have that sheen of the eggshell or satin, then that's, I mean, that's going to retard any accumulation of dust and smoke particles and so on. So I wouldn't spend any oh. extra money for so-called ceiling paint. I would just get some good interior latex, high quality uh, in the in the satin finish, okay? Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. You too, Marilyn. Thank you for your call. Time to take a break. We'll be back. We've got a couple of calls, Dick and Blackhawk and Mike and Lakewood. If you'll if you'll hang in there, we'd love to talk to you. So stick around. We'll be right back right here on Around the House. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon can help. Call 303-713-TALK. That's 303-713-8255. Welcome back to the program. It's 25 minutes before 5 o'clock. And Dick and Blackhawk, thanks for your patience. You're on the air with Ken Moon around the house. Hi. Hello, Ken. On that, Hi, Dick. Uh, earlier call, uh, on that earlier call that you uh, had uh, about the sewage disposal system, Yeah. Um, I didn't pick up where the origin of that smell was coming from. Um, I, I read between the lines, and I thought it was her uh, roof vents. You know, the, uh, the vents sticking out of the roof. Right. Well, don't those pull air in? No, no, no. It relieves. No, no. Those, those vents uh, are... Well, yeah, technically, yeah, uh, Dick, you're right. Uh, if there's vacuum or suctioning going on in the traps, uh, they will try to equalize the atmospheric pressure. But they also vent the septic tank. So as the septic tank uh, does its uh, digesting and produces extra odor, uh, that odor gets released out the roof vent. So, yeah. So they kind of do because, both. Well, because what I was, gonna, uh, was wondering about is if all of the traps are full that uh they may be getting uh uh no she was get, no uh, no she's getting air um i think she's getting uh smell outside outside she, yeah and that's yeah. coming off the roof okay yeah okay. because you know don't forget the the, the 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 vent pipe coming through the roof goes straight down and connects to the main sewer line which goes out to the septic tank so when odor wants to get you know is produced in the septic tank It'll come out those roof vents. Do you see what I'm saying? Right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Answers my question. Thanks no a lot, problem. Ken. You bet, Dick. Bye. Good to hear from you. Mike in Lakewood. Mike, you're on the air. Hi. What's going on? Hi, Ken. I heard your call about the uh, caller or email that asked about the in house COVID filter. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Remember yeah t let's talk about that. So I remembered an episode of Ask This Old House with Ross Trathui, who built a homemade COVID filter. And what okay. it involves is four properly sized HEPA-rated air filters stood on edge and taped in the corners. 
with the box fan taped to the top that has the airflow pointing up so that it draws the air in through the filters and up out through the box fan. Okay. And what and what yeah. did he do with it? Did he like he did he filter for like a single bedroom or something? Um, he called it a whole house, you know, uh, filter, uh, and that would depend on the uh, airflow of the box fan as to how many air changes exchanges you get uh, per hour moving that much air. Yeah. Well, I but I mean, did he was he trying to draw a furnace? furnace uh, air through the filter no no this is a freestanding unit okay These air filters are not mounted in the furnace okay They're standing on a table or whatever uh standalone fashion okay got it oh i see he was he was just he was just so filtering a certain space of air in the house correct okay and got it these hepa these HEPA-rated filters are n- not exactly cheap, but he figured that he had $100 in this in-home COVID filter. Now, but my, then my next question is, did he have it tested by a laboratory? How did he, how did he verify that the filter was working okay, doing, it, doing um, what he said it was going to do? He didn't, but he used HEPA-rated furnace filters and i just looked it up and covid the generally accepted covid size is 0.125 microns right and that's you know a decent hepa filter should do an adequate job on that size um pest if you will well okay i you know i'm I'm, my experience with hepa filters is that they can get mold spores bacteria of course dust and everything but I, I haven't known any claims that they can filter, HEPA filters can filter viruses, but I, to be honest with you, I haven't done a lot of digging in that. So uh, I guess it's something I should, yeah, I'm kind of curious, kind of check out. But it does say viruses. Now, viruses come in different sizes, of course, and the, uh, the coronavirus is, is amongst viruses, is kind of on the tiny side uh, when you consider all viruses, I guess. And so I don't know. The only thing I, I would uh, this this old house guy. I mean, it sounds kind of clever and everything, but he he would need to subject that to some kind of testing to see that it actually is uh, is working. You know, we go back, uh, Mike, to the old thing about your grandmother always said, "Sleep with a window open," right? So I think ventilation would be a good way to make sure that there's air changes in the house and maybe stale air that might have some virus in it might get exchanged and so on. But uh, the, the, the emailer here was talking about a, uh, uh, you know, for a whole house, like in the furnace. And the, the, the filter stack that you're talking about would really load down a furnace. Don't you agree in terms of airflow? Absolutely, because the filter for this setup would need to filter down to 0.125 microns. Right. That's pretty small. And, and uh, yeah, go right. ahead. The other thing is, unless somebody in the house is infected with COVID, why would you need a whole house COVID filter? 
Absolutely, yeah. And if you got a vaccination, you wouldn't need it anyway. So there's another another way to look at it. Did you read this week that now the CDC is thinking that some people will need a booster shot of COVID vaccine? Did you read that this week, Mike? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. People with compromised immune system. You don't have any yet. Uh, I'm not going to get any. Okay, well, that's your call. Uh, I've gotten my my two, and I did just fine. Uh, but people apparently, even vaccinated people that have compu- compromised immune systems, uh, apparently are going to need a booster. And my son is a physician down in Phoenix, and he his opinion is that sooner or later, every year, uh, we'll be mixing a little COVID in with a normal, regular, annual flu shot. So, because COVID. Of course, as you've heard discussed many times, is going to be never going to go away. It's going to be like the flu; it's here to stay. So we're going to have to figure out how to live with it, I guess, right? So uh, that's just um, whether you want to blame the Chinese or not. It's here. Somebody said, and I this is not my quote, but I can't remember. I, I tell you, if I could remember where I heard it, I maybe Mark Stein, who said, "Just because humans don't want to act like humans, viruses will act like viruses." In other words. Once it gets in the population, it's here to, it's here to stay. So, I think it's a matter of living with it. But, you know, maybe some entrepreneur will come up, Mike, with some kind of, uh, with some kind of filter for a for a uh, for a furnace in the house. I think it's it's going to be a little far fetched. But maybe there's some kind of an electronic uh, filtration system that could be devised that might might help to filter those viruses out. Anyway, Mike, thanks for that feedback. Uh, Thanks for the feedback. Go ahead. What were were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, instead of a shot, my money's on vitamin D and zinc as supplements. Well, I, you know something, it's funny you said that. I caught COVID last November, and I slammed down the zinc. You have to, by the way, you don't do zinc on an empty stomach. It's a sure way to get nauseous nauseated anyway uh and yeah and i got a vitamin d a lot of vitamin d and fish oil and a tons of vitamin c now i don't know made me feel better even if it didn't hurt the virus at all but yeah there's a lot of things you can do to keep yourself healthy otherwise i guess hey mike thanks for your call appreciate you checking in with us 303-713-8255 is our contact line we'd love to hear from you what's going on around around that hacienda of, uh, that you call home. And if you want to check in with us, give us a holler right here on Around the House. Need advice on your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Welcome back to the program. It is 11 minutes before 5 o'clock on this beautiful Saturday afternoon, Rocky Mountain weekends. Boy, this is this why we live here or what? It's just so gorgeous outside. And the mornings, especially this time of year, when they aren't quite, you know, they're cool, but not, you know, not overly cool. Beautiful walking weather in the mornings. It's just wonderful to live in this part of the world, isn't it? It really is. So we're so glad you're with us here and hope you're enjoying your Rocky Mountain weekend with us here on the Around the House program. So 303-713-8255 is our contact line. 
and uh, whatever's on your mind, we'd like to share it, uh, have you share it with us. So check in with us here. Let's see, I've got a, uh, well, I, I did a, a kind of a pretty good size essay in my column in the Denver Gazette uh, th- that we ran this week, uh, this morning, uh, on radon. And we've talked about radon off and on over the years, and we've had some great discussions about it. And uh, and we got an email here from Chris, I know you've discussed radon before. I hear that testing to set the allowable levels is arbitrary and feel that maybe this is just one more scary thing that folks make money on. What do you think? Well, I, I told Chris, you know, this is a Q&A in the, in the column. I know what you mean. It seems we're always on edge, aren't we, about uh, one thing or another. And, and it's just, it, there's, we never run out of stuff to worry about, right? And... It's really kind of sad that's kind of become the American personality of just worry, worry, worry. And, and uh, it's, it's really, uh, it, I don't know, it, it's discouraging in a way. Uh, this COVID reaction has been much, I'm an older guy, of course, and this COVID reaction has been much, um, much worse and much more hysterical, in my, if I can use a, uh, a word that perhaps over, over describes it a little bit. Then prior flu epidemics in the past, there was a big epidemic in 57, the Hong Kong flu in 68, and we had uh, a couple of birds, bird flus and, and Middle Eastern type, I guess, was it SARS or Mars or something flew back, oh, 15 years ago or so. I've lost track of all the acronyms, but in the past, we haven't had this kind of reaction. And I think I, I really kind of blame uh, the internet for this, and because it's gotten everybody all uh, overly excited, uh, I think you people can do too, in a way, too much research. Uh, that's not uh, maybe uh, just there's a lot of sites out there, conspiracy type sites and so on, about the vaccine and about COVID in general that we didn't have in 1968 when they had the Hong Kong flu came along. It was fairly serious, and and uh, life just went on, but not not this time. Radon is one of those things. Uh, like uh, mold, asbestos, hazardous chemicals, our food supply, everything that seems to get us all on edge these days. And uh, radon comes under that category because uh, when we talk about radon and the risk from it, there is some evidence. Uh, I don't know how strong the evidence is, uh, but it doesn't matter anymore because radon is here to stay in our legal and real estate culture. But there is some evidence there, there was a lot of extrapolation that went on. Uranium miners in the 30s and 40s that were mining uranium used in the atomic uh, bomb programs uh, were underground in, uh, in uh, seeped in radon, steeped rather is a better word, in radon eight or ten hours a day. And most people in those days, as you know, smoke. And that synergy effect of radon and smoking really, I think, uh, was a... Uh, was made these folks probably sicker than perhaps uh, we would think about today in terms of the the risk for radon. And so this data was extrapolated into the present. At least this happened kind of in the 80s, and 4.0 was kind of the limit that the EPA came up with. Now, at the same time, there were really high limits in other parts of the world. The UN was 18. Parts of Scandinavia were like, and Canada were like 20. 
and those kinds of limits. Now they've all come down, of course, but ours has always been 4.0 picocuries per liter, which I think is pretty restrictive, actually, because we live in an active geological area in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, and matter of fact, there are areas on the western slope where the outdoor levels can exceed the 4.0. However, having said all that, it doesn't matter because this is part of our legal and real estate culture, as I said, and so we're kind of stuck with radon. So um, b because it's become part of the, the dialogue in, in real estate and in some extent in our culture, it's probably a good idea to test for radon at your house. We might as well know what it is because if you sell your house, they're going to want to check it anyway, especially if you have sleeping rooms in the, in the basement, and especially if you live closer into the foothills. This applies in Colorado and Wyoming. The closer you get into the foothills and the mountains, the more likely you're going to have higher radon levels. So if you have basement bedrooms, if the kid, your kids are sleeping down there especially, and if you're in the foothill areas of a given metro, uh, foothill part of a given metro area like the foothills of Denver, Ken Carroll Ranch and places like that, or Colorado Springs, Pueblo not so much because they are away from the mountains, but it's a good idea to check for radon. A home inspector can do it for you. You can buy test kits at Home Depot and do it yourself. And it is, if it is a little elevated at your house, it's a heavy gas, and so it accumulates in the basement, it's fairly easy to take care of it. It's called mitigation. And to get it below the 4.0 level is usually a, a two-step process of and, and, and you can get a radon mitigation company to come in. And the cost isn't terrible. It's 1000 to 1500 bucks. And so uh, you, they seal the outside of the concrete cracks and so on, and the penetrations where the pipes come through uh, with a heavy-duty uh, a, a polyurethane-type sealant. And then they somehow arrange to suck air uh, from under the house. There's lots of ways to do this. In a crawl space, they can lay this perforated pipe right on the crawl space and cover it with plastic. If you have a French drain, they can hook into the French drain system. They'll figure out a way to suck a negative pressure under your basement floor, and that's where you get rid of the radon before it gets in to the house. It's a heavy gas, so it tends to hang out in the basement. Up, upstairs, not so much. So when you test for radon, you'll put the canisters down in the basement about uh, four inches apart or so and expose them for two or three days, and you'll figure out what your level is. So it's not a DIY, a DIY project to get rid of radon and mitigate it, but if, you, if your radon level is fairly low, a couple of takeaways. If it's between 4, which is the upper level, and 8.0, then the EPA says run another test in a few months and average the results together. Uh, if your results are still kind of just a little high, maybe 6 or 7 kind of thing, you might just seal the the floor yourself, the exterior where the floor meets the concrete foundation and where the pipes come through, just seal it yourself and see if the radon level falls. Put a heavy-duty plastic over your crawl space, and you might be able to mitigate it that way. If not, you'll have to call a company in. And as I say, it's a thousand to uh, fifteen hundred bucks or so to get rid of your radon. So you need to get get this done if you live near the foothills or the mountains, in the mountains especially. And in the mountains, if you have well water, sometimes your water can be full of radon. And that's another program that is a little more difficult to get rid of. We don't want to discuss it now because we don't have the time. But radon is here to stay. Nothing much we can do about it except, like COVID, learn to live with it and mitigate it and do the best we can. So 
That's the story on Radon. 303-713-8255 is our contact line here on the Around the House program. So we shall take a break for the news. And um, and then, uh, you know, we'll be back with your phone calls and uh, this week's email right after that. So stick around. Around the House, 303-713-8255. And we'll take a break and be right back. You stay right there. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. 25 minutes before 6 o'clock on the Around the House program, 535. We're glad you're with us here. So check in. We'd love to hear from you at 303-713-8255 is our contact line and live email at the aroundthehouse.com website. Speaking of the website, the podcasts, of course, are available at uh, aroundthehouse.com. Just click on the little headphone icon there and you can go back, gosh, I don't know, five or six years to hear old episodes of Around the House and including this week's, which Shannon will put up right after we go off the air. He's very good. I'm just He just pushes those buttons, man, and there you are. Just a few minutes after we go off the air, it'll be available so you can download it for your, your MP3 player or your, uh, I have a little iPod Nano that I really like. It's, uh, it's so easy to walk around the neighborhood with it, my little earbuds. And boy, I'll tell you what, when I do a lot of walking and when you have audiobooks at your beck and call, it really makes the time go by and you get through. I'm just finishing up James Michener's Alaska, which is a long, long audiobook. I don't know, like 50 hours or something like that. And I'm uh, just, I'm going to start uh, on the second half of Centennial, which of course, as you know, is patterned after Greeley, Colorado. And so we'll, uh, uh, I'll let you know how that goes, but that's, it's a great, I mean, I've read them before when they first came out in paperback, but it's, it's fun to hear them on audiobooks as you, as you kind of walk around the world. Anyway, I wanted to share, oh yeah, here it is right here. I meant to do this in the first hour. I uh, wanted to share this with you as it made my day and I hope it'll make yours too. Uh, the uh, banks hire me uh, here and there to look at new homes as they're being constructed. I go in and look them over to make sure that things are uh, on site that are supposed to be there, that uh, that they haven't drawn for uh, for things that aren't on site, that kind of thing, and, and do a little checklist, take some pictures, the progress. The Federal Reserve folks, uh, I, the, uh, the feds in general require this. Now, this came out of the savings and loan crisis. This comes under banking regulations where we do monthly inspections of new home properties. Anyway, it's kind of fun because I get to talk to all the subcontractors and uh, kind of shoot the breeze with everybody. So I walked into this house. It was not drywall. It was all closed in. I think they were doing the wiring when I was there. And the folks of the kids that were buying the house had written some Bible verses on the concrete. It's a slab home on a concrete floor, slab on grade. Had written them with magic marker, uh, a couple of different Bible verses that will be covered up with carpet and maybe even tile, but the kids will know that these ber- verses are there. Their parents wished them well. One of them was First Kings eight thirteen. I have indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. And one from Matthew about you built your house on the rock. 
or a strong foundation, and they signed it Mom and Dad. And I was just taken, as I say, it made my day, and I've shared it with a lot of people, uh, that these two, one New Testament and one uh, Old Testament uh, verse written by their, their folks, uh, two different handwritings. So one was mom and one was dad. I was very taken by this. May rain, streams, and winds never cause your house to fall. You've built it on the rock. That was one. So uh, the, it's the little things, isn't it, that make so much difference. And I was so struck by this. I took a couple of pictures and uh, and just to memorialize it for myself. And I taught a Sunday school. Uh, no, I didn't teach it, but I shared it with my Sunday school last last week. Anyway, it's the little things that you do for your kids that they'll, they'll remember forever. And I'm sure these young people will also. 303-713-8255. I wanted to continue to share a, a couple of things with you. Uh, that uh, were in my column this week. We talked about radon, and we talked about that foil layer going up in the attic. And here's a here's one that may apply to you if you're out in the country on a well, or this is from a, a listener named Pat, who is on a small community water system, and she says the water is just awful. They have mineral buildup; it doesn't taste good. He says, but she says, I've heard water from softeners isn't good to drink. What should, what should we do? Well, it's, it's a fairly uh, straightforward answer. Yeah, traditional sodium ion exchange water softeners are the, what I prefer. But it's probably, if you can avoid it, you, you probably don't want to drink the, the processed water any more than you have to because they're, they're a little elevated level of sodium in it. And sodium, as you know, messes up your electrolytes and raises your blood pressure and all that. So uh, it's best to avoid it. So there's some choices here, which there's actually three choices. Pat, if you get yourself a water softener, and I highly recommend it, uh, you could just do the hot water. And that, that will help with well, you know showers and clothes washing and baths and the dishwasher. Uh, so that's one option. And keep the cold water in the house uh, unsoftened so you don't have the extra sodium. The second choice is to bypass the cold water line in the kitchen sink only, so all the other hot and cold water in the house is softened, so we still drink out of the kitchen faucet. Or you could treat all the water in the house, except the outside faucets, of course, hot and cold. But when you do that, you probably want to put an RO system in. Now, if you've spent any time in Phoenix, as I have, reverse osmosis systems are a big deal down there because the water is brackish and it's warm anyway because the water mains are shallow, but it's kind of salty tasting. Reverse osmosis will take all minerals and contaminants out of uh, a water supply. Uh, you can get one for 200, 250 bucks or so to put under your kitchen sink. Uh, and uh, if you do that, then you can drink the RO water out of your kitchen sink, water the plants with it, feed the pets, water the pets from it, and you'll have hot and cold soft water in the rest of the house. So those are the three choices you have. But if you have a lousy community water system, you just don't want to, um, uh, you, you don't want to drink that water. And if it's hard water, you get a lot of scale and soap scum and all kinds of issues with your fixtures and so on. And the clothes don't get clean. You can't wash your hair. The dishes and the dishwasher are cloudy and all that. I, I get it. So uh, I, I guess um, those are the choices you have, but you don't want to drink that extra sodium water if you can help it. Now, there isn't a lot of extra sodium from a water softener, but there is some. And if you can avoid it, you know, why not avoid it, right? 303-713-8255. Uh, 
uh, is a is our telephone uh, number. Some more emails that came in uh, this week. Uh, here's an interesting one. This is from Chris. Should I install a smoke alarm in my garage? If so, what type? Well, generally, and this isn't hard and fast, but generally smoke detectors don't do very well in a garage because the fumes from your car's exhaust plus solvents like paint thinners and uh, and, and gasoline, uh, if there's gasoline odors in there, it, 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 can, it can cause false alarms. A better idea in a garage is a heat detector. They're a little harder to find, but they'll respond to the sudden high temperature increase if there's a garage fire. So check them out online. You can buy a heat. And I, if you have an alarm system at your house, I know uh, very well that the alarm company can get you one. So uh, that's the deal. Uh, I wouldn't put a smoke alarm in the garage, but I would put, put a heat alarm in there if you're uh, concerned about that. Also, we want, to, want a fire extinguisher in the garage. It's kind of important around your workbench and around the car and so on. Fire extinguishers, we haven't talked about those in a long time. You want one in the kitchen area, of course. And one of the most important places of all, if you have an old house with those tiny basement windows, which are not good for escape, then I would put a one or two fire extinguishers in the basement if people are sleeping down there because it would it's just another layer of protection for uh, in case of an emergency down in the basement. But uh, fire alarms are cheap, good to have around the house, kitchen for sure, garage, you bet, down in the basement, maybe the furnace room uh, is, is a good place for those. Get an ABC type, which counteracts all, you know, all three kinds of, uh, of fire. So... Anyhow, that's kind of the story there. So, uh, yeah, but smoke detector in the garage, like you wouldn't want to put a smoke detector in the kitchen for the same reasons. You get cooking odors and steam, and steam can fool a smoke detector into alarming. And, of course, you're broiling steaks and all, all that. So keep the smoke detectors kind of near in the bedroom level where there's the most jeopardy for your family because when you're asleep, of course, you're most vulnerable to smoke and carbon monoxide. And you want a detector there also for the deadly gas of carbon monoxide. We'll be right back right here on Around the House. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon help you fix things around the house. 11 minutes before six o'clock on the Around the House program. I wish you well. and Thank you for sharing your weekend with us as you all have done off and on now for 28 years. It'll be 28, I guess, in November. Uh, the program started in 1993. And thanks to our great affiliates, KHOW in Denver, K2 in Casper, KCOL in Fort Collins, KRDO AM and FM in the Springs, and KCSJ in Pueblo. We have a great signal around the house. It can be heard from our Sheridan, Wyoming, down a Raton. And thanks to those affiliates and our great advertisers. We're glad you're with us. Thanks for sharing your weekend time with us here on the program. This is an interesting one from Larry, kind of a topic I'm interested in. I have a 1970, by the way, our phone number 303-713-8255. I have a 1972 house. I can't see where the bath fans vent to the outside. You think I should be worried. Well, nah, I'm not worried, but you should check it out, I guess. They probably just blow straight into the, into the attic. That's not the best idea because they're adding unwanted moisture into the attic space. Uh, in the old days, and I guess, but I mean 80s and earlier, if I can just wing it a little bit on the dates, 
Uh, we didn't, city inspectors didn't pay a lot of attention to this. And venting him in the attic was sort of just you know, sort of overlooked. We just did it, didn't really uh, worry about it. But we've come to find out that that's just not a good idea. We need to vent a bath fan air to the outside world because it is full of moisture. We don't want to get mold in the attic. It's not very likely in our climate because we're so dry here. But you get the idea. You don't want unwanted moisture in your attic. So we want to vent them to the outside. Now, there was a time, as I say, this was sort of overlooked and, and sort of, uh, I don't know, just tolerated to blow, blow the air around in the attic. Then there was a time when the city said, well, we got to pay more attention to this because people are more and more worried about the M word. So they allowed us to vent the, the, uh, the, the fans and point them at a, at a roof vent, any kind of a vent that was leaving the attic to let the heat out. We point them right at that vent and that way the air got blown outdoors. And that was fine for 10 years or so. And then of course the code people had to fiddle yet again. And now the rule is, all bath fans must vent directly to the outside. That's a, uh, I'm making a short story long, Larry, on that one. So I guess what I'm saying in an older house like this, I would probably just extend the, the little ducts in the attic to point towards a, uh, an attic vent so the, the air blows outside rather than try to cut a hole in your roof and risk leaking and so on. Eh, you know, it's, it's too late for that. But if, you, if they are just blowing into the attic, it'll be better for your house if you were to blow them at a, at a vent going out sideways out of the house someplace. And, and so that's a, that's a, good, that's a good question. Uh, but the codes have changed two or three different times on this, but now they really do need to go outside when you build uh, a new house, okay? Uh, Mick wants to know, got a brand new redwood deck. What should I put on it to keep the beautiful color? Well, that's a good question. Anything you use, whether you use a linseed oil-based product or a clear uh, water product, if, if you use a clear, whether it's um, water or, or oil-based, uh, either one will keep that color, but only if you renew them because the red, that rosy, beautiful redwood look, I know what you mean. It's kind of a yellowish, rosy color that's so beautiful. Well, you uh, to keep that, you got to keep putting this material on because clear versions, whether water based or oil based, tend to get eaten away by the sun very quickly. And so, um, I would I always encourage people to use some kind of a tinted stain because it'll just it'll just do so much better. But if you're determined to keep that that look, then plan on putting a clear stain on it uh, every year minimum because as I say that without the pigmentation, the colored pigmentation inside the sun will cook it away quite easily so um, that's the story on that one if you don't want to use a tinted uh, product but I don't blame you that red with that new redwood color is so beautiful now when you when you uh, uh, when you put this stuff on you want to wait till there's no going to be no rain for five or six five or six days and then put it on and cross your fingers and it'll be just fine you'll keep that color let's talk to Ralph and Lakewood who's uh, on the uh, on the phone. We'll get him on the air right now. Ralph, what's going on with you? Hi. Hi, Ken. Uh, I have a uh, about a 1950s-year-old home uh, yeah. ranch uh, with a, a gable roof. And um, I kind of feel that the, um, the attic is pretty hot. It gets to about 140 
on 90, 89 degree days. Yeah, with yeah. The thermometer up there, and I've got a lot of insulation in there. I bought the house a couple of years ago, and so they had put a roof on um, just prior to that, and they, I think, changed from a uh, changed to a ridge vent type of a roof, and I found that they didn't have enough um, intake in the eaves, and I added some, but I'm still getting pretty hot um, air in the attic, and it, um, I think, my air conditioner runs more than it should. You know, this um, is a great I this look- is a great call, Ralph, because uh, I did the same thing this summer. I've been threatening to do this for years on the program just to figure out how hot the attic really got. And I have like you I have a 19 uh, newer house and you're a 73, but there's a lot of insulation up there. And I've got gable vents and soffit vents and uh, five or six roof vents. And my, on those hot days, now I have a little darker roof. I get to 130, and uh, highest I've seen is 138, I think, up there. I was amazed. This is from like 10 a.m. to about 3 p.m., then it gets, then it cools down. So uh, I'm, like you, I'm a little concerned about it because it does leak through the insulation and run up your cooling costs. And also, there's some implications with the roof. If you have a lot of heat under the uh, roof shingles, they can age prematurely and the, you know, the grit lets loose and that sort of thing. So you're right to be concerned. And I am too. And there is an answer for this that uh, is relatively easy to do. And that's an attic fan. You know, you know what those are. They, they hang in the pointing outdoors on one of the gables and it just sucks ambient air through there. So you're sucking, you know, in the middle of the day, 90 plus degree air through there, which is a heck of a lot better than, 120 or 130. So these attic fans are relatively inexpensive. The hard part is to find a power source for them, but they just hang pointing out of the attic and they have a thermostat in them and they just run when the attic gets hot and they, if they run, uh, you know, five, six hours a day, so what, but it'll drop the attic temperature by 30 degrees or more when they run. Is that something you've thought about doing perhaps? Well, I have. I have a little bit of a gable vent. Uh, they sided over it with uh, plastic siding or vinyl siding. Okay. And so it's um, the, the holes on that are really small. The vent itself isn't that huge, and it wasn't intended to have a power vent on it. I was thinking. Well, you'll have uh, to cu- you'll have to cut a there. hole. You'll have to cut a hole where the gable vent, and you can put a new gable vent in from the outside. You know, with some with some louvers on it. You know, and something that is nice looking and paint it and so on. But that's really the secret here. And you're right to be concerned. It's interesting that you did this experiment, which I did this summer also. I was stunned about how hot. I was figuring 110, 115 or something. But when I saw, one, I think, 138 one day, uh, I was um, pretty amazed. So an attic fan is just the way to get that done. So I would, uh, I would do that, and I would... Uh, let me try that, cut that hole, point it outdoors, get it wired up, and let me know how things go for you. Well, that's all she wrote for the program. We're glad you've been with us. Thank you for being uh, being part of the show today, Shannon Scott. Thanks for your help in the control room. God bless. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time right here on Around the House. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.